Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Michigan is where the brown trout was introduced to America, and Elpina is the place to hook them during the 48th annual Brown Trout Festival. America's biggest car museum is in a tiny Michigan town called Hickory Corners. It's the Gilmore Car Museum. It's Detroit's time to host the immersive Van Gogh exhibit, and one of the most impressive red, white, and blue celebrations to be found is in Grand Haven, also known as Coast Guard City, USA. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Today, we're going to give you a tour of the state of Michigan like you've never taken before. Well, I kind of think that every show, but I really am happy uh, for the lineup that we have for you today. So stick around. It's going to be a show well worth listening to and one that you're going to learn about some things. And then you're going to want to get out there and explore Pure Michigan. That's kind of really what it's all about. So let's get right to it. Let's bring in Mary Beth Stutzman. Mary Beth is the president and CEO of the Alpena Convention Visitors Bureau. Mary Beth, good to talk to you. Hi, Dave. Hey, um, Always great to be on the show. Oh, uh, really good to talk to you. And I know we're, we're basically, we want to make sure people know about a big event you have coming up pretty soon, but I do have some questions yeah. about the Alpena area. So uh, we'll leave a little time for that. Um, that but, sounds great. Yeah, but the big event is coming up soon. Fishing is huge in Alpena, and you have the Michigan Brown Trout Festival coming up. When does that happen? Yes, um, it is happening. Uh, the festival is always the middle of July every year, ah. and we're in our 48th year. Wow. So this festival started in 1975, so it's been around for a while. Um, it's the longest-running um open water festival on the Great Lakes, and it's happening until July 24th. So we invite everybody to come check out all the great fishing there is in Alpena, but especially this really unique festival that has been a part of our community for, for a long time. Well, you have a lot of fishing tournaments up there. Um, and you know what? I, I, I don't remember if I knew about Brown Trout Festival before as part of the, uh, the tournament. Um, what happens at the actual festival? So the festival is um, about 10 days long, and they have a variety of things going on. So it's uh, it's a great experience, obviously, for anglers and, and those who like big lake fishing. Um, you can come any day and register. There's a registration tent right on the grounds at the Municipal Harbor in the city of Alpena. And there are different kinds of tournaments throughout the festival. There's a ladies classic. There are uh, daily prizes for the biggest fish caught of different species. So not just about brown trout, um, but you can bring in your steelhead, walleye, salmon, your lake trout, get on the leaderboard and have a chance to win daily prizes or prizes, you know, accumulating throughout the week. There are kids events. 
Um, they have an entertainment tent and they have great Michigan bands and other acts for the whole family to come out and enjoy. So it's, it's really a plethora of things. It always kicks off with, um, a nice breakfast and a shotgun start for the boats heading out, uh, and also coincides with uh, a really great art show, Art on the Bay, that we have here every year. So it's really a unique festival. Neat. Um, uh, does the winner win because they have the biggest fish, the the most fish? I mean, uh, how do they decide that? Well, there's there's so there's multiple tournaments during the tournament, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you can um, register in different ways, and there are a plethora of prizes mm. for all of it. Um, the big prize, and it's, it doesn't happen every year, but it did a couple years ago, and we were all super excited about it. The big prize is catching the specially tagged brown trout. Oh, wow. So you, you win. I think um, the last uh, prize winner won $25,000 um, for catching big brownie. So it's out there. Um, people have caught other years brown trout that are tagged <laughs> oh, wow. just out fishing for fun. Um, but it, one time it happened um, during the tournament that in recent years uh, was a couple of years ago, and uh, it was super exciting. I, I love that because even I could get lucky by catching you know one fish, and it could be the yeah. one. So, sounds <laughs> one good. One fish could so, change your life. That's <laughs> happening uh, basically right now, this time of the year. So get up there to Alpena and enjoy that. But you know, Alpena, what a great town! I've told you this before. How much I love your town. Um, it's this oh, yeah. yeah, northern Michigan, you know, nature-loving town, but it has this, I don't know, this really kind of cool vibe to it as well. Yeah, I, I find that people say um, they're very surprised with how uh, how much we have going on here when they come for the first time if they've heard of us but um, haven't been here yet. They're always surprised with what there is to do. You know, we're centrally located to seven different Lake Huron lighthouses. Um, we have three dark sky preserve parks in the local area and, uh, you know, a dozen sinkholes for people to explore, um, you know, interesting fossil rocks that people can hunt for and take home with them, uh, trails, um, and over a thousand miles of shoreline if you count all of our inland lakes and waterways. Yeah. So, if, you know, if you love fishing, it's definitely a good spot, but it's also really great if you just want to get away, get some fresh air. Um, you know, have all the amenities that you're used to. We are a modern community, but we have, like you're saying, we have that kind of historical town feel um, as a as a port city. Uh, you know, we're really connected to where we came from and how we developed. And fishing is a part of that. We started as a fishing community on Thunder Bay Island, just off the coast of Alpena. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it really is a great place. We only have a couple of seconds, Mary Beth, but I have to, I always forget the name of the place. It's the Noah Center. It's open again, right? Yes, it's open. The Glass Bottom Boat Tours are running to um, show you the shipwrecks out in, on Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary. So another great thing to do when you're here enjoying the brown trout. Absolutely. Uh, really well worth a visit to Alpena at any time of the year. But, of course, during the Brown Trout Festival, you're going to want to consider that. So here's the website, browntroutfestival.com. And for information about all of Alpena at any time of the year, go to Mary Beth's website, Visit Alpina.com. And our thanks to Mary Beth Stutzman for being with us today. One of America's most interesting museums, America's biggest auto museum, is Gilmore Car Museum, and it's in Little O Hickory Corners in West Michigan. We go there next 
here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Michigan is about a lot of things, but one of the things we're we're probably best known for is being the home of the American automobile. After all, Henry Ford created the modern travel industry when he made the car affordable for everyone. And of course, that led to so many other things. And the auto industry is always changing. But but we look to the past and we remember with fondness. And you can do that like no other place at the Gilmore Car Museum in Hickory Corners. Let's go over there now, find out what's happening because they're always on the move there. Ken Fashong is director of commercial operations. Ken, you guys are always doing something cool. I can't wait to hear what's up right now at Gilmore Car Museum. Yes. Hi, Dave. Um, Yeah, you just mentioned Henry Ford and one of our new exhibits is an early Ford exhibit. It covers the first 50 years of Ford from 1903 to 1953. Um, so that's something new you can see and, and learn about all the models, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and, hmm. of course, the, mo- mo- the famous uh, Model T oh, yeah. as well. Oh, nice. Now, now you have uh, already, you have a big, it's not really a Ford exhibit. It's, it's like a, a Ford sales room, isn't there? No, we have an entire Ford museum you do. dedicated to the Model A. Oh, wow. And uh, it's you can even learn how to start a Model A and sit in a Model A chassis, and it'll walk you through uh, how to do it. We've got every Model A conceivable from, uh, you know, just the, the very first one that came off the assembly line um, when uh, Henry Ford and his good friend Thomas Edison were standing at the end of the line and... <laughs> and uh, Henry Ford uh, commented to Thomas, this is the first Model A off the assembly line, and I want you to have it. And Thomas looked at it and told him, I don't like it. I wanted a Phaeton because it was an enclosed (laughs) car, and he wanted an open car. We have that. We have trucks. We even have an airplane with a Model A engine in it. Uh, And then also, um, our Ride the Classics program has been expanded. Um, Every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, not only can you come to the Gilmar Car Museum and see all the wonderful cars, you can sit in them and go for rides. Um, mm. And our fleet of Ride the Classic cars features two Model A's, a uh, 1929 Phaeton and a 1931 Woody. And then we have just everything from a full classic 1947 Lincoln Continental V12 to beautiful luxury convertibles from the 60s and 70s. Uh, And so it's just a great way to come and explore our three miles of paved roads and get a docent tour while you're driving in one of these incredible, beautiful classic cars. And that happens every Tuesday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on our historic campus. It's it's great. Well, that campus is really something, uh, as you mentioned, certainly there are places uh, where you can drive classic cars at special events. You have that 
uh, I'll, guess, I'll call it a race course, even though there's no racing, but it's a circle kind of in the middle of all these barns. And in those barns and other buildings, you have classic cars, every type of car you could ever imagine. It's a spectacular cars, place. We have motorcycles. Um, our motorcycle building has undergone a expansion and complete renovation inside and outside. And uh, we even have now a gallery dedicated to vintage BMW motorcycles. So uh, for people that are motorcycles of fans, come, you know, they can come visit our century of motorcycles. Um, also, this mm. is the 100th anniversary of Checker Motors. Oh. Now, Checker started building taxi cabs in Kalamazoo in 1922, and they built Checker cabs right through 1982. And we have, you know, what's interesting, Dave, when, when ca- taxi cabs first came out, only the wealthy rode in them. So they were built like, like limousines. Mm. Um, so we have some incredible taxis from the 20s and 30s, and, and also the very first uh, uh, Jeep, the, the Checker Bantam from 1941, that led to you know, the, the wild popularity of, of Jeeps today, uh, which was built in the, in the Checker plant. Um, and we even have an Aerobus, and we have the very last Checker cab off the assembly line in 1982, along with a Medicar and some other cool things that have been added to our carriage house uh, as a new exhibit this year. Ken, I, I learn about a dozen things every minute I talk to you. So I, I don't think I knew that Checker made a Jeep-type uh, vehicle. Yes, and actually Checker was still open for business after they stopped making checkers. They made parts for General Motors hmm. uh, right through uh, 2009. Uh, when makes they sense. Went out of business. So, yeah. Wow. Um, it's it's a cool way to come and and see some of these old cars. And you know, here in Southwest Michigan and the Kalamazoo area, we had 17 transportation manufacturers based right here. And of course, Checker was the longest uh, privately owned automaker in the U.S. Wow, something else. Well, the thing about Gilmore Car Museum is you're constantly evolving, you're constantly updating, you're, you're making changes, you're renovating all the time. I'm sure you're doing that right now. Yeah, we, we are. In addition, we've, uh, we have in our main gallery the greatest generation of Corvettes, the evolution of America's sports car. And, you know, Corvette, that Corvette exhibit has been enormously popular. Mm. And um, we have all kinds of, of really unusual, rare, some one-of-one one, uh, Corvettes in that exhibit, and it's something that really appeals to a whole wide uh, genre of folks that are looking at, you know, the uh, Corvette being the longest continuously made automobile in the world mm. from 1953 to 2022. Wow. Um, what are some of the newer uh, exhibits that you have there in addition to, like, that Corvette exhibit? Well, we have uh, several, you know, exhibits where the cars are always changing. Um, and, you know, for example, in, in our Lincoln Museum, we have seven partner museums plus the Gilmore Collection. So it's like coming to eight museums in one when you arrive mm. on our 90-acre campus. Um, but, for example, the Lincoln Museum has newer concept cars. They have the Lincoln Aviator concept car. They have the um, uh, Continental concept car. Um, and so that's something that, that also evolves. And the other thing, too, and our, our muscle car um, events and, and shows like, like the Mopars at the Red Barns, which happens um, on July 23rd, Saturday mm. the 23rd, 
Um, that particular show, you know, muscle cars came out in the early 60s to early 70s as a way to attract a younger demographic um, to the uh, to for purchasing these cars by putting big engines in them, making them fast with loud exhaust. Well, guess what? The whole muscle car has been reinvented, and so we have many shows that where you come and it's open to all years of of cars. Um, You know, of course, our Mopar show uh, includes new Dodge Demons and and uh, Challengers and and uh, all types of Chrysler products. Um, And so that is also something that you'll see when you come to uh, our Camaro show in September, um, our Corvette show. Uh, as well, they're open to all years because uh, we, you know, people are big fans of these, whether they're, you know, 25 years or older or or newer cars as well. well. Yeah, I don't even consider myself a car geek, but I love Gilmore Car Museum. Now, Ken, we only have about a minute, but one of the reasons I I love it is you're always doing fun extra things like your your summer concert series. Tell us about that. Yes, this year because we're a car museum, we have carload concerts. Um, happening in August uh, with 40 bucks and for as many family members as you can pile in the car or as many friends as you can pile in the car it's $40 um, we've got some great groups uh, August 19th we have the Surfajets which is 1960s surf rock on um, August 26th we have the rock show which is the ultimate arena rock tribute they do awesome journey on August 27th, it's the Lovettes, an all-girl group that is a tribute to 1950s, 60s girl groups. And then for our truck show on September 10th, we have Looking Back, the Bob Seger tribute band, which should oh, be a wow. great show as well. In addition, we have uh, acts performing at our shows um, that uh, are coming here, like our tractor show comes back July 29th and 30th, and we've got bluegrass band uh, Schlitz Creek. Here's a website, gilmoredcarmuseum.org. We need to leave for now, but we'll be back. We're going to uh, talk about Van Gogh next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. I've often talked about, you know, the fact that uh, at one time I wanted to be a professional artist. And, you know, I kind of thought maybe I would have a shot at it. Um, I certainly still like the idea of picking up a paintbrush here or there. Not that I do it very often, but I am painting for Art Prize, and I'm looking forward to that in Grand Rapids. But, but I will travel for art. I will go all over the state. Uh, you know, we have so many really cool places that have murals and other public art uh, places and spaces. And and we're also the home of such incredible art museums like the Detroit Institute of Art, for instance. Just spectacular. So many other great uh, art museums out there as well. And what's happening recently, lately, is there are these traveling shows that are uh, going around the country or some shows that are are being installed uh, locally at various places that celebrate specific artists. And I bet you've heard about this, the immersive Van Gogh exhibit. It's in Detroit right now, and it goes through September 5, and I can't wait to see this. 
So let's find out about the immersive Van, Over, uh, Van Gogh exhibit. And, and let me see if I can get this name right. We're going to talk to Svetlana Dvoretsky. Is that pretty close, Svetlana? Bravo, bravo. <laughs> That's one of the best tries that I've heard. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna record that and keep it uh, for my, for my mementos here. So, uh, Svetlana, yes. it, it's good to have you on the program, especially to talk about this. I've been seeing on Facebook the Van Gogh, you know, this immersive Van Gogh exhibit in Detroit, and mm-hmm. I'm really interested in this because it sounds so different. Um, before mm-hmm. we actually get into the exhibit, I need to find out how, how you became involved in this and, and what organization you're from. Absolutely. Well, the organization that I represent on this call is Lighthouse Immersive. I'm, I'm a co-founder of Lighthouse Immersive, and Lighthouse Immersive presents Immersive Van Gogh and many other immersive shows that will be coming to Detroit um, uh, pretty soon. But it was a pretty interesting story. I was going to Paris. It was about three years ago. And on a recommendation of a, uh, of a great friend and, and my fellow producer, um, I went to see what she called that a must-see digital multimedia um, show on Van Gogh. Hmm. And you know what? When you in Paris, and you, you, your time is so precious. It's really, really uh, precious. Sure. You've got yeah. over 130 best museums in the world. You've got, uh, I, I don't even want to go Architecture, there. food, in, in, wine, in, 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 architecture, everything. Cuisine, yeah. like everything, right? So why would I go off the center hmm. and spend my time doing this, but I listened. And that was probably one of the best advice that I've got wow. uh, in life. Um, so I got into this space, and instead of uh, 30 minutes that are scheduled to be there, I probably spent about three hours because I was so captivated. I was practically in awe. I've never seen anything like that before. And I was going there with a really judgmental uh, preset mind that I'm not going to say anything that interests me, right? Like, what are you talking about? The painting is on the wall, uh, blown up. And this is, this is what few years later I have to explain to people that no, it's not. Yeah. Um, but the way that uh, it was done, that the way that images and music have flown, the way that it was taking me on an emotional journey, like really, truly on an emotional journey. Mm. I could not believe what's happening with me. Mm. And then I sat and I went through another, like you can stay there as long as you want, so is in, in our place as well. This is, this is the idea of how you really should be taking immersive shows, not seeing it just once, but several wow. times, because every time you see more and more details. And uh, I was so inspired to bring this content to North America because it was nothing like this um, in the market uh, right, here we're, before. Yeah, and, we're, we're used to seeing paintings on walls, and that's great, but not like this. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So I got back to Canada, and um, I, I connected with, uh, with my uh, fellow producers, specifically with Corey Ross, whom we've done several shows together. We're both coming from the performing arts 
theater, concert presenting organizations. We have our own businesses, and that's what we've been doing for 15 years. We never knew anything about uh, the digital immersive shows, nor how to run our venues or open 20 venues in, in two years. So that uh, kind of all became a avalanche, but later. So let me just... Uh, um, uh, kind of closed the circle on this one. Hmm. Um, I came back and we started, uh, it, and it's actually the same way as I felt before uh, I saw it with my own eyes and I kind of took it all in, the same way that uh, everybody that I was explaining this to felt about, that felt about this project. And like, seriously, come on, like, what, hmm. what is it, like, how that can be impressive, how this yeah. can be engaging, so and so. So I've been sending everyone to Europe to, to you know, you just go and see it. It's, it's impossible to explain. And um, we, of course, we, we've decided to, to, to make it work, first in Canada, because we're both based in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we thought, you know, it was supposed to be a, a initially a very small project. We thought, we'll do this in Toronto, we'll do this maybe in, in Chicago and New York, the cities that we know well and know how to present there, and, and that's it. Wow. And, and so, um, so the, the interesting thing is you took this idea you learned in Paris. Here you are mm-hmm. living in Canada. You're from Russia, and you're working with an Italian installation artist. Let me try that name. Uh-huh. Massimiliano Sicardi. That's a nice name, too. About yeah. what, a, what an international show. And, and what you've done yes. is you've taken the very vibrant, beautiful paintings of Van Gogh, right. and it is a full immersion because it's not just paintings on the wall. It's you're inside them almost. You're inside the paintings. You're also, what's most important, you're inside the mind of the artist. And mm. let me just uh, give you a couple of brush strokes on that. Um, we, we, in the, we started to look for the artist who would create the show, the show for us because initially, of course, we wanted to talk. We wanted to work for the French company that it, that didn't work out. Mm. So we've gone through a number of artists. We've looked through a number of works, but none of the uh, contents that we've seen were at the same level or were satisfactory or we would feel that it would create the same impact. And then one day we heard from Ms. Milena Sicardi, who is uh, an artistic director of the show that we've both seen, and he said that he he's ready and willing to work with us. Mm. And, of course, we ran very, very fast to sign that contract. But he did say one thing, which I remember and I preserve to be very important. He said, okay, so you've seen my show, you loved it, that's great. This is, I, I've done... Uh, 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 quite a few of those because he's been, we would call him a Steven Spielberg, uh, sorry, a Moses, mm. um, Moses of the immersive art because he's been doing that for a number of years, started in the caves and in France and so on and so forth. So he was really kind of a, at the beginning of, of the industry um, when it started to emerge. And he said, I need a full artistic freedom to do what I want to do. Well, it certainly um, was a good idea because basically his concept that you've now uh, presented and now are presenting in Detroit mm-hmm. allows you to, in effect, 
as we said, kind of be in a painting, be in the mind of Van Gogh. As you're walking through these spaces, you are seeing um, these, these, you know, these impressions all around you. You're listening to certain music that sets the mood. And mm-hmm. it all comes together. Where, where is this one being held in Detroit? This is at the beautiful place called Harmony Club. And the moment that we saw this place, we fell in love with it. Absolutely. Every space that we have that's showing our, uh, our exhibits is different. But we only have now two, like, real jewels. Uh, the first one was in Chicago. Uh, it's a Germania club. It's also the landmark building of the 19th century. And the second one is Detroit um, Harmony Club. It's, uh, it's the same kind of uh, feel that you're walking in, and you're kind of like, it could have been a museum, really. Well, and- it's one of those things, it's, it's so hard to describe until you, you go through it, Svetlana. I, and I know, I wish we had more time to kind of figure this out. But here's the thing. Go to this website, Detroit Van Gogh. DetroitVanGogh.com. Learn about it, then go to the Harmony Club, see it in real life. It's stunning, it's unique, and you're going to love it. Our thanks to Svetlana Dabritsky for being with us today. And next, we're going to head to Coast Guard City, USA, right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. I've been telling you about uh, some of the things I just love all around the state. I do that all the time, of course. But uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is something very close to my heart. I've been involved with the Grand Haven Coast Guard Festival for a long, long time. And I love this festival and all the people who are part of putting this thing together. Because, you know, a good festival really says something about the community. It tells the story about that community. And that's exactly what happens here with the Grand Haven Coast Guard Festival. It's coming up July 29th through August 7th this year. And to tell us all about it, let's bring in Commander Michael Smith, retired and the executive director of the Coast Guard Festival. Mike, how you doing? Well, how are you? Hello. I am I am doing fine. Uh, looking forward, of course, to Coast Guard Festival coming up very soon. Uh, you know, it occurs to me there might be people out there who don't know the story about Grand Haven's connection with the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, you know, why is Coast Guard Festival held in Grand Haven? Well, uh, that's really easy to tell, and it's very historic. Uh, Grand Haven as maybe a sleepy little coastal town in Lake Michigan or on Lake Michigan has had a strong relationship to the Coast Guard like no other city in the world. It started with life-saving service stations here, lighthouse here, a district command here, World War II training camp at Mulligan's Hollow here, a transition to when the life-saving service uh, became the U.S. Coast Guard, aids to navigation teams, 12 different ships, uh, a rifle range, 
And one of those ships was called the Escanaba. And at that, that time, the ships were staffed more locally or regionally. And, of course, it was all men in the Coast Guard at that point. Sure. So yeah. The, the Escanaba uh, was stationed in Grand Haven and took to war 103 individuals on board uh, to the North Atlantic, where something mysterious happened to it, and it sank and blew up, and 101 men died and two survived. Those men represented sons, uncles, fathers, brothers of area residents. And this was tragic. And the two survivors um, uh, eventually came back to Grand Haven. And this was a key point in recognizing the Coast Guard. We had been recognizing the Coast Guard since 1924 with a parade and some competitions on the water. But this added another solemn element to our connection to the Coast Guard and no other Coast Guard ship lost that many people anywhere in the world. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and then afterward, uh, how did the community react to that? Well, the community was so despondent but wanted to support the efforts and wanted to make sure everybody knew that these were citizens from here. They gathered together in, and purchased war bonds to support the war, unlike any other city in the country, and raised almost $2 million uh, to support the war efforts in memory of the Escanaba. Yeah, World War II era, uh, $2 million was a lot of money, <laughs> and to think about that. Yeah. yeah. And they actually said on June 13th, 1943. But the festival started in 1924 because of the great work that the life-saving station was doing, and the citizens of the area wanted to thank them. And what started as a private picnic, of course, now has evolved to 10 days of celebration with some solemn moments we remember at the National Memorial Service. Yeah. True. And, and of course, now it's this huge event. It pulls in people from all over the country, all over the world, really. It's a big deal in the Grand Haven area, and it's always a spectacularly run festival, mostly volunteers. It's, it's pretty incredible. Uh, and, it, yeah. of course, it has all the things you're used to, entertainment, you know, parades, uh, uh, picnics, uh, carnival, um, fireworks, all those things. Uh, and you're going to find it. But so if you've been there before, you know about that stuff. But but what are some of the new things that, that we might want to look for this year? Um, one of the newer things, and the, a very visual fun thing for a family, is the cardboard boat races on Saturday. Hmm. Um, Saturday afternoon, the first Saturday, um, they uh, people sign up and build their own boats out of cardboard <laughs> and then race them in front of the crowd. It's really so much fun. And the creativity, it's not just about seeing them get in the water and then eventually sinking, but it's about the ingenuity in the process of designing these, quote, boats. But some look like rocket uh, ships. Some look like um, replicas of Coast Guard equipment. 
um, that are quite remarkable in their detail. Others are just rowboats with people wanting to get wet. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great family thing, and it happens on on Saturday. I'm looking at my calendar here. It's either the 29th or 30th of July. It's the 30th. Yeah, 30th. Yeah, it's yeah. the 30th. And that begins in the afternoon um, about 1. Oh, that sounds fun. You know, cardboard and duct tape, that's all you need. But that's all you, well, and the ability to swim. Yeah, true. true. <laughs> Luckily, there are yeah, a lot of Coast Guard people around. So There are a lot of Coast Guard <laughs> and Marine police. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very safe event, but very fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, and that's the thing about this. Of course, it's you're remembering this really important relationship and, and recognizing it, but it's they have all these family fun festivities, and it's a true red, white, and blue festival. Absolutely. And this year, it's going to have a maple leaf in it. Oh, really? Yeah, As in because, a ship arrival? Well, not only that, but we're celebrating the 60th anniversary of the Canadian Coast Guard. Nice. And so our partners from across the border are coming here to celebrate with us because we chose a theme this year, celebrating the men and women who keep the lakes great. And our district commander in Cleveland, Rear Admiral Michael Johnston, will be the senior official welcoming everyone and of course works closely with the Canadians so and who are on the Great Lakes as well so um, this is a great partnership and a wonderful theme for this year oh, it sure is especially with the the, the great uh, support that they give each other here in the Great Lakes area between the US and Canadian Coast Guard Mike we only have about a minute so if there are one or two things that people should look for what are they event wise normally I would say the parade to see you um, <laughs> But I'll uh, skip over that and say, certainly, um, the ship's arrival, that starts off the celebration. I would say the National Memorial Service, it's a traditional formatted event that's about an hour long on Friday, um, and it goes from four to five. Very moving. It sort of puts the host, whole perspective together for us. And the Grand Parade. Uh, is an, a time to celebrate because in the parade are the actual men and women of the Coast Guard from all over the world who we have chosen to honor each year. And it's different. Uh, sometimes uh, these are troops from overseas. Sometimes they're troops more locally. This year, most of the guests will be associated with something on the Great Lakes. Fantastic. It's always special. That memorial service is on Friday the 5th of August, and it's just part of one of the many, many great things happening. Coast Guard Festival this year, July 29th through August 7th. Our thanks to Mike Smith for joining us here today. The website, coastguardfest.org. That's all the time we have for Travel Michigan for this week. We'll talk to you next week here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling.